Let's pray. Father, if I ever needed you, I sure do now. I pray that you'd come. Your word would come forth and do great and mighty things which we know not. Lord, our heart is to know you whom to know with life everlasting. Uh, Lord, may there be no glory go to the speaker. May the glory all go to the word. Uh, speakers come and go. For the word of God abideth forever, forever settle in heaven. May it stick in the hearts of these folks, catch in the hearts of these folks this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about the area of what are you thinking about. This is a commonly uh, talked about area because it's so big. You know, iPhones, um, Androids, uh, basically cell phones, smartphones, smart TVs, Netflix, accessibility. I preach a message on will we survive accessibility. The answer to that was I don't believe we will as a society, as a group of people. But individually you will. You can. This is hopeful. You can survive accessibility. Accessibility to what, preacher? Wickedness iPhone has given you accessibility to every wicked thing ever thought about or ever imagined, ever come across the heart of man. Now, how easy is it to get to? Hey, Siri, uh, how easy is it to get to? And when I was a young man, that was not so. When Bob Carney was a young man, that was not so. It was not easy for us to get to some stuff we wanted to get to. In fact, I worked at trying to get to some stuff and never did find it. Don't want to mention it, but it was not good stuff. But yet, today, the average person, especially your, and my heart really, really is, goes out to the under 40s because you are the target group of the devil himself. All the powers of hell are trying to get into your head and change your heart. Some of us old-timers, he's, he's not given up on us, but he realizes we're not easily moved or so easily moved because of our trust in God and our knowledge of the Word. But the younger you are, the more vulnerable you are. It makes sense, right? It makes sense. What should you be thinking about? Does the Bible care or even say anything about it? It says a whole lot about it. As a man thinketh, uh, so he is and such. Right in front of our eyes, often this quoted verse that I'm going to talk about, we read it and go through it and go on. Don't think about really the power of it. And if I may say, the absolute command of it. Questions I want to ask you to get you started out. Is it okay to view YouTube for hours? Is it okay? Uh, is it okay to read countless hours of fiction? Is that okay? Is it really, is all that really harmless? How about Star Wars, Star Trek? How about The Hobbit? My brother Chris had been watching so much Hobbit one time, and inadvertently he mentioned something about Middle Earth to me. I looked at him and I said, son, there ain't no Middle Earth. He goes, oh, oh yeah, that's right. I thought he was going to preach a sermon on Middle Earth. I mean, it's last, but I'd like to have heard it. But I mean, I mean, I kid about that a little bit, but it, you know, you do that six-hour movie marathon of, of The Hobbit, 
it turns into being a bad habit. But a Christian wrote it. Oh, that just justifies everything. Like Christians never wrote bad stuff. Uh, now, look, I know I'm dealing. I'm walking all over precious, so take it easy on me. And I am going to walk all over precious today. But I want you only to give me a listen. That's all. Just contemplate it. Don't be mad at me and shut me down. Keep your heart open. Could this crazy old man have something to what he's saying? Um, is living in an unreal world, is, is that where God wants us? Is living in a fictional world dwelling a lot? Now, what I mean by that is dwelling a lot of your mental time is dwelling in a fictional world that's not real. Uh, it's called escapism. Or escaping reality. Reality is harsh. Reality is sometimes tough. It's cruel, mean. We'd all say amen to that. But, and, and maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes or 30 minutes of, of, of a little relief of that. But we're talking hours and hours and hours and hours. You know one nice thing about the iPhone? It'll tell you how long you've had it on and where you're on. You'll be shocked at how long you've looked at it. You look at, you'll open that baby up and don't do it, but go to the front of it and it'll say, you've been three hours on, on this iPhone. Three hours? Well, if you read your Bible three hours a day, you'd be a, you'd be a godly scholar. I'll tell you one thing, a lot of problems will disappear in your life. But yeah, you go, wow, oh, three hours. I can't read the Bible three hours. You can text for three hours. Uh by the way, you go to people, they don't know how to talk to you anymore. They go, you're standing there, and they, how are you doing? They go, I just sent you a text. <laughs> Fine. I think one of the average, the new, the new fangled Lolo may know this, the new way to date is set at a table in a restaurant. You text him, he texts you. You text him, he texts you. I don't know, is that what they do? I think it hurts us in the long run. Let's say, well, that's my intro. Let's go to the actual verse itself and try to plow some here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. You know it. Finally, brethren. That's a conclusion statement. After all I've said, here we go. Fourth chapter. He says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report. And if you miss anything, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Dan, you're, you know the Greek, it's just an imperative. Think on these things. Now, what I mean by the imperative is it's a form of a command in the Greek. It helps us understand that what he's saying is not just a suggestion to us. Would you please do this? God is saying through the Holy Spirit in the language, I command you. Put your mind on these things. 
put, put your mind around these things. He's not, it's not that nobody, I actually heard somebody say they thought the Ten Commandments were the Ten Suggestions. I don't know what planet they're from, but it's the Ten Commandments, right? Everybody goes, Ten Commandments. God's not suggesting thou shalt not murder. He's commanding you should not murder. And in the same manner, he says here, these eight things, these, these words, and I'm going to try to quickly go through some of them, more, some more than others. I call them eight holy sentinels that he wants to surround our mind with. Eight holy sentinels, guards on our mind, like semi-automatic rifle. Paul shoots these e at the evil things that are polluting us and distancing ourselves from God. Not with profundity, but with common spiritual sense. Uh, we really know better than to view, listen, or consume things against the Spirit of God and against the Word of God if we're born-again Christians. We know it hurts our relationship and walk with God. We know bringing in the filth of the world and the evil of the world distances us from God. You feel it. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know the things of the world and the wicked things of the world and the thoughts decrease your faith and rather increase it, diminish you. Um... Thoughts outside of these eight sentinels distract us from the eternal. Now, I'm going to give you, a, this is no deep truth, but it's, it's the plan of the devil himself for you is to distract you. As a born-again believer, he cannot damn you. He cannot send your soul to hell. You've been born from above by the simple childlike faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. You believe he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you've placed your simple little childlike faith in him as your Savior. And God said, I take that, I accept that. He birthed you into his family. The Holy Spirit came in. You were baptized from above, sealed by the blessed Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. The devil lost you, but the battle ain't over. He ain't a quitter. And so he's just going to try to spoil you now because God wants to use you as the light of the world, right? I'm the light. I'm supposed to be the light of the world. I'm supposed to be showing folks this is the way. Walk ye in it. I'm supposed to be pointing them to pushing them to the light, as it were, pushing them or pointing them towards heaven. I'm not talking about being a preacher. I'm talking about being a born-again believer. Every one of you in this room that's born from above, that's your mission. You're the salt of the world. You're supposed to not promote evil, but in, wherever you go, you, you detain it and you hold it back. Like holy antibiotics, you go in and destroy the virus. Been on my mind lately, the devil wants to waste our time with foolishness rather than allow us to invest our time in the permanent. That's the battle zone. That's the battle right there. 
I can't take you to hell, but I can sure waste your world of time. How much time do you have? I wish I could tell you, but God has said that's one area you are not going to get to know. Rare is it the person gets to know how long they're going to live. Rare. Once in a while, once in a while, the doctor will come up to somebody and say, you got a couple of weeks to live or a week to live. They know it because of what's going on. And that's a heads up, brother. But not many people get that. Uh, doc, we have a doctor in our midst, Dr. Bailey. He's a cardiologist, uh, eminent, if I may say cardiologist. I'm really stretching it today, Doc. But, but uh, once in a while, somebody comes in his office. He says, oh, you're in good. Am I on here? Hello? He says, you're in good health. I think you're in great shape. You've got a lot of years to live. He walks out, uh, he walks out to his car. Ugh, big one drops dead right in front of him. Because nobody can predict life and death like that. Die, you may die instantly. My, my father-in-law died at 48 years old instantly of a cardiac arrest. Never got to say a word. He was old, lived a full life, 48. Just because something fun, does that legitimize it? Is it because it's fun, it entertains me? It makes me feel happy. Is everything about making you feel happy, is that what the world swirls around? First of all, you. Things are really out of balance in your life, for sure. Is everything just about entertainment, self-gratification? Well, let's go to the, some of these, let's go to some of the major areas of this verse I want to talk about. Number one, Whatsoever things are true, true. Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I, I, there's, a, there's a teaching from Hale, as it were, started when I was a young man called relativism. It was in high school. Started, I remember it starting in my, ladder, my senior year of high school. They started trying to tell us that there really wasn't a certain right or wrong. That started in 1970. That's when the seeds of this junk that you call progressivism started. And it, it, they started chiseling away at the foundations of truth. They were saying to these kids, you know, truth really is only defined by the culture you live in. Like in Ukraine, truth is one thing. In America, truth is another. In Russia, truth is another. To Vladimir Putin, truth is one thing. To, to Vladimir Kuchinin, truth is another thing. That's not so. Truth is truth is truth is truth, and it'll be truth when everything else is burned up and all the elements melt with fervent heat. Truth will remain. By very definition, it's unchangeable. It's absolute. What a word that's hated today. Absolute. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.18, God is true. But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea or nay, but was yea in Christ Jesus. And so God is true. Opposed, true as opposed to false or fiction. True as opposed to make as opposed to make believe. True as opposed to theory or conspiracy mentality. 
True as opposed to postulations of men. True, absolutely true. No gray areas in the Bible. This is going to shock you, some of you. You try to find a gray area in the Bible, there ain't any. God is yay or nay. That's what that verse is. He's, he's black and white. He's black and white. I'll, I'll illustrate this in a minute. The second thing we see there, what sort of things are honest. That's venerated as right and good. Even the world would agree in the power and importance of honesty. Do you realize no democracy uh, in America it will be no exception to this? A democracy cannot exist without honesty. Our democracy is based on honesty. This last election was what happened because of dishonesty. Why we call, many of us call it rigged, and, and, and uh, that, it, that, it's, that its outcome was not the real outcome, is because we believe there was, a, a, there, there was never proven to us that it was an honest, upright thing that was done. 74 plus million people believe it was rigged. Why? Because it wasn't forthright, clear. You have to have your ID to fly. You have to have your ID to almost do anything. But when you come to vote, you don't have to have your ID. Get cra- it's craziness. So if you lose honesty in a society, you've lost, you really have lost your society, and it will change to something else that does not require honesty. But do you want to live in that group of people? Do you want to live around a dishonest neighbor? Do you want to work with a dishonest companion? You can't lay, you, my, my uh, daughter, my, uh, well, you don't need to know who it was. She was washing her hands and she took her rings off and she had very nice rings, diamond rings. Took a ring off, set it on the deal, washed her hand and went and got a towel. When she looked back, it was gone. One of her coworkers took it, never would admit it, never got it back. You're working around a thief and didn't even know it. But brother, that is not the way God said his people will be. His people will be people of truth. When they speak something, you can take it to the bank. His people will be people of honesty. If they find your diamond ring, they'll give it back to you. If they find your wallet, they'll give it back to you with all the money in it. If the clerk at the restaurant gives them too much money, they'll go to their car, realize they got too much money, and go back in and give the extra money to the clerk. Why? Because we don't answer to men. We answer to God. I don't think too much can be said of the importance of this thing called honesty. By the way, in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, it was very characteristic of the, you know, the four kinds of ground. Parable of the sower, four kinds of ground. The good ground, let me read you, but on that good ground are they which in an honest and good heart have hearing the word, keep it and bring it forth with patience. So you have to have it. It's our goal in life. 1 Peter 2.12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Over and over in the Bible says, be honest among all men. It's not just, well, I'm honest and I know it and don't make any difference if somebody else does. It makes all the difference that everybody else knows it. You need to be honest. 
The reason I'm stand, I stu- I've been able to stand behind the pulpit and be a pastor of a church for all these years is because when I was a young man working, God tested me on over and over and over again on little things, whether I would be honest or not. Where nobody else would have known the difference, I was honest when nobody else knew. And I got what was going on. I thought, well, if I'm dishonest here, God will never give me anything. If you can't be honest with this, with this world stuff, who's going to give you true riches? God's not going to, for sure. So it's a core belief. It's just a core foundational living for God, to be honest. I hope you're honest. You say, well, brother, I trouble with honesty. Then you can overcome it. God will help you. It is who God is. He's true. He's honest. And it's where we ought to get our entertainment from. Things that are true and things that are honest and things that are like him. Because if it don't, it'll affect us. The third thing I see there is just. Saved folks are called this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 49. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever, sever the wicked from among the just. Now, just people aren't just people because they did better than unjust people. Just people are just people because they've been born from above. We've all sinned come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But when you come to Jesus and get saved, he puts a new heart. You know, you've heard the song, new life in Christ, abundant and free. God puts a new life in you, a new heart in you, new mind in you. And you become a new person, and people will know it. You'll be just in your dealings among people. And when the angels eventually will know it, because they'll sever you from the wicked when someday. The centurion in Acts chapter 10, verse 22, was called a just man. A Gentile, a Roman soldier, was a just man. I don't believe you should occupy your mind with injustice. Does that make sense? If you're a just person, you would not want to occupy yourself with injustice. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> that means you, you, you at least need to be, you at least need to turn the news off. I can't take it. I turn the news on my soul. It's fired up within my soul. It burns within my bones. I have to turn it off. The injustice of it all. I'm not going to fill my mind with injustice. Don't raise your ire for what you cannot ire, by the way. A little Irish for you on that. Don't raise your ire for what you cannot change. Change what you can and ignore what you cannot. Quit wasting your energy and mental energy on junk you can't change. I don't like the blue seats at gospel. Too bad. Ignore them. When we put our seats in here, we had to choose a color, right? You have to choose a color, right? Oh, these are girls real quick here. What's your favorite color? Purple? What's your favorite color? Blue. God bless you, man. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? Kelly, what's your favorite color? 
You see the different color seats we would have in the gospel? If we please, could we please them all? No. So we had to choose one, girls. We had to choose blue. And I had a woman come to me after we put these seats in her and says, I can't stand blue. I don't know how I'm going to come week after week. I said, wear sunglasses. <laughs> Whatever. Ignore what you can't change. The third thing is, the fourth one here is pure. What sort of things are pure? What's pure? Brother Chris, come on up. Well, come on up and just sit here if you would and look handsome. Will you? The Bible says wisdom. This, this has got me a little bit. What's pure? Wisdom that is from above, the Bible says, is first. This is James chapter 3, verse 17. What's the first characteristic of wisdom that is from above? The Bible says it's pure. Whoa, the first thing's big, man, pure. Wisdom's pure. Wisdom. First thing. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 22 says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. People come to me and scratch their heads and say, Preacher, that's nice, but what's pure? Help me to find pure in my mind. Thank you for asking, by the way. Thank you for asking. Open that up if you would. Take the lid off. Just leave it off. And you don't need the cup in there. The cup can come out. So what's pure? What's pure? Let's stand over here. What's pure? Cheerios is pure. Cheerios is pure. Okay, let's pretend in our mind this is purity. Okay, this is purity now. The Bible says whatsoever things are pure. I don't want to waste a whole box. Your kid wants the other half. So that's purity right there. That's pure, brother. Oh, would you like to eat that for breakfast? Say yes, please. Say yes. Pure. My hands have not touched that. No human hand probably has been around that or breathed over it. There's no bacteria or COVID on it. Or it's pure. Maybe you like it in the morning when you're hungry. Maybe in the afternoon you put, by the way, don't put that see-through milk on it. <laughs> put you some milk on that that the old farm boys used to define. The top's cr half a third cream, the rest is milk. I mean, you know, just distill the milk in that morning and chill and take the cream off the top. And, and that's all we used. They was, that's all we had was pure cream. Oh, boy, that sounds good. Now, this is dirt. I mean, this is dirt out of the ground. This is dirt. It's got all kinds of bacteria in it. It's got kinds of junk in it you're not supposed to have. If you ate this dirt, you probably will become sick of some sort. This dirt could, be, could have worms. I don't know what's got in it. It's got microbes in it, a lot of little crawly things, creepy things in here that you wouldn't like to look under a microscope. This is the world. This is the things of God. God says, I want you to keep your mind on things which are pure. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And I don't want to define too much because I'll define something you, and miss what you, he missed mine. What we do is we turn on the YouTube or we turn on the uh, Netflix or we turn on 
the um, Facebook video or we do something on the TV set and we, we do this. Now, I didn't put too much dirt in there. That, that's, not, that's all I needed for. I didn't put too much. Preacher, it just had a little violence in it. Do you know the last sin that God defines as one of the most wicked sin in the Bible is violence? Not homosexuality, not transvestitism, not immorality. Violence. You look in Genesis chapter 6, you don't believe me. He said the whole world will be given full of violence. And he said, I regret that I made man. It's broken my heart. He's going off into killing and violence and wickedness and abortions violent. How much more violent can you get than abort a little sweet baby? We're swimming in violence. And the storm's coming. He says, you polluted yourself where I can't have anything to do with you anymore. I've got to destroy it. Start over. That's the flood. I just told you the reason for the flood. But it's also the reason individually that the devil's after you. See, you're that pure Cheerio, and the devil says, if I can just put a little of my world, if I can put my world, oh, they play video games six hours a day, but it's at night, ooh. It's at night when nobody's around. Don't you think it's getting in? Have you really fooled yourself that much? You girls may read them, I think they're called romance novels. I've never read one because I'm, I'm terrible at romance, to be honest with you. I'm just horrible at romance. But I'm a fabulous maintenance man. <laughs> right, Bobby? Yeah? Bobby and I never did good at romance, but man, we are good maintenance men. We can fix anything around the house. And when I die, my wife's not going to miss my huggle snuggles. She's going to miss me fixing the stuff around the house. <clears throat> you get anybody to do huggle snuggles. <clears throat> Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Well, that's not sensual. We're not talking sensual stuff. Lovely like a flower is lovely, a rose is lovely, a sunset is lovely, a mountain view is lovely. I'm doing that for Lolo. And the leaves in the fall are lovely. Ocean view, the blue, deep, beautiful ocean is lovely. A cardinal is lovely. A uh, redhead woodpecker's lovely. A pheasant's lovely. You know what I'm talking about by lovely. Not sensual. The longing soul for God should look at the real Christian and say, he's lovely or she's lovely. I want to be like that. Like a flower, we walk around in this old polluted world and people want to say, how did you stay married 50 years? And still love your wife. See, I don't just... Being married 50 years is one thing. But being married 50 years is still... And I'm going to define this, liking my wife. 
I like to be around her. She likes to be around me. That's a miracle from above. That's part of the fruit of this passage. If there be any virtue, the word virtue means mental excellence and moral quality. Just help, if anything will help you in your walk with God, push you toward heaven. If there be any praise, that's the book have you considered that I'm talking about. You read that book, when I finish one of them, chapter 365 reasons for creation, have you considered beyond a reasonable doubt? And 365 reasons, and as they give those, I read one of those pages in there about how God made this so only God could do it. It has to be God. There has to be an intelligent designer. And when I read that, I just, I close the page and, and, and immediately praise to God comes forth. That book uh, induces me to praise. If there be any praise, think on these things. And that automatically, mutually exclusively, takes out anything that will pollute that stuff. Now, I struggle with what goes before my eyes. David said, I, I don't know if it's David or not, the psalm said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That's easier spoken than done. You can be going like this and all of a sudden the wicked thing's already there. You can go like this with a, with a roller controller or TV controller and all of a sudden the wicked thing's already there. But I want to keep myself pure. You know, the responsibility of that verse was not on God, but was on you and me. God's not going to come in your living room and shut TV off. He's not going to change your video. He's not going to stop you from watching videos all night or, or from playing games all night, keeping yourself in a fictitious, non-real world rather than thinking, listen, you as a born-again believer are important in the kingdom of God that you learn the word of God and the ways of God and that you walk with God and that you are light of this world because this world's dying without the light. They need you to be better, closer, stronger in the things of God. That's why. Father, help us this morning. Help us. The Bible says a righteous cry. The Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. We need you. Father, we pray that you'd anoint these words wherever they go at least the words that were from heaven. Strike out the words of man, but please, and I know you will because your word will not return void. It won't. There may could be somebody in this room without Jesus, their personal Savior. It was not an evangelistic message. I realize that. 
but you don't know Jesus at all. I mean, you know of him. It's not. See, when you stand before Jesus, most of the people stand before Jesus are going to be able to say, well, we know you. Matthew 7, 21, 23 says, he'll say to many of them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And so, God forbid you don't want him to say that. You, you may know of Jesus, but we're not talking that kind of knowledge. We're talking intimate knowledge. We're talking a, a supernatural, spirit-born knowledge of repenting of your sin and believing that he's the Christ, the Son of the living God that was resurrected from the dead. If you don't understand that, we'd love to be able to explain it to you. We're not here to make you a Baptist. We're here to help you. That's all we're here for. We'll not embarrass you. We'll not harass you. We'll simply explain to you that good news was explained to us. We can help you whether the service at invitation or after invitation will be around during the week we're around. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning, and I know this trampled all over everybody. Oh, my. Help us, Father. Interpret this for us. Holy Spirit, don't let us get away. Don't let us get away with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.